When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As you can say anything you want, and everybody goes, okay, yeah, that's great. Hey, yay, Rod, go fight, win. He's won, so he can say whatever the hell that he wants to say. I mean, that is what you can do. But the truth of the matter is, he's full of crap. Totally. I mean, look, I worked for the dude. We had dudes walking in, smoking weed. We had dudes walking. He held nobody accountable. But here's what you do in modern college basketball. You cheat, number one, and you're going to be successful. That's numero uno. Uh, number two, you go ahead and you decide, well, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to say things. I'm going to say things. And if I say things, then, hey, guess what? You'll listen to them. I don't know where we're at here. A, a young child may have a baby, and you couldn't get him to sleep that night, and it was your night to stay up with him, and you didn't get to sleep until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, got to get him to go to work. You're operating on two hours of sleep. you got practice at 3. Dylan, is this going live right now? What's live? Because I'm here in Samson. I think it was just in our Zoom here. You're all good. Keep rolling. Jesus. Uh, so anyway... Samson can say whatever, but he had never held anybody accountable. And I get it. All right. Let me show you how people really think. This is a text. If we could put up the 317 guy's text or tweet, I'm sorry. Let's put up his tweet and uh, see what he's got to say. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. How this is all... You should have cheated, Dan. Really? I should have cheated? How about I went the other way? How about I went and told uh, West Virginia to kiss my ass? And I ain't cheating. And you can have your three and a half million dollars back. How about we do that? That seems to be a better way. And if you cheat, you would have one more. Haters gonna hate, man. Had more success at IU in three years than you did at 20. Maybe you should have cheated and you'd have had more winning seasons. Well, of course. Of course. Well, duh. I mean, I had plenty of opportunities to cheat, but you don't cheat. But in college basketball, you do. Here's the other one. This is from John Parks. Now, John Parks is... I don't know who John Parks is. Funny you're so hard on cheaters in college hoops when you're so supportive of cheaters in politics like Trump and so many other conservative politicians. Huh? I'm shocked. Uh, I'm stunned. Man. All right. If that's what we're doing... If that's the level, you're right, because, you know, cheating politicians. 
is the same. Yes. By the way, I voted for Dockage. That's me, Dockage. I voted for me. Is our YouTube up yet? How are we doing there? Anyway, I voted for me, and I don't think you should cheat. I am in the minority because people just say win. The funniest thing about Samson is when people say, well, what he did is permissible now. What he got caught doing is permissible now. There's a big difference. There is a big, big, big difference. Big difference. So at the end of the day, uh, YouTube is up, ladies and gentlemen. So good. Well, it says waiting for OutKick. I don't know. But anyway, there's a big difference between what he got caught for and what was actually going on. So my point is this. These coaches can say all they want. The guy that I respect is Izzo. Why? Izzo had a chance to cheat with a kid named Brian Bowen, who wasn't good enough to cheat on, by the way. He didn't. He's the only guy in this deal. That's why I talked to Izzo. That's why I talked to Underwood. That's why I talked to guys that don't cheat. I told you on this show, Calvin Sampson was going to be somewhere waxing philosophic. We had dudes show up. Hey, I'll never forget. I'm sitting there. I'm the director of operations. I'm doing a video thing. This is before everybody got fired and I moved up to head coach. I'm doing a video thing, and all of a sudden, this kid that weighs 400 pounds, a kid named DeAndre Thomas, shows up 30 minutes late for practice. Just shows up. He's singing that song, Apple Bottom Jeans, Boots with the Fur. The whole club is looking at her. He's singing that. Doesn't care. We're getting ready to go to play Ohio State. Three of our players show up 20 minutes late for a film session. True story. I'm sitting in the back. The entire room smells like weed. When they walk in, 20 minutes late. I think both of them played 35 minutes. They might have ran a sprint. Look, Calvin Sampson can coach a game of basketball. He can coach it up, and he can coach it up nice. He's not Bobby Knight, but he's pretty good. But the truth of the matter is, listening to these coaches wax philosophical on all these BS is insane. <clears throat> hey, Dan, you had Pearl on. He cheated. I like Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl didn't ruin my, my school. <laughs> I like Bruce Pearl. What can I tell you? Uh, he's good TV. He's good radio. He's good everything. So there you go. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Let's see if we can get my bracket up. My bracket's a joke. Actually, it's not that big a joke. Uh, it's not. It ain't, it ain't horrible. It ain't the great. Guys say text messages, Dan. Yeah, okay, text messages. That's what you think it was? As what Mike DeCourcy thought it was, please stop it. Just stop it. Stop it, stupid. Uh, all right. couple of things. It says still, well, you guys are asking me via text. I don't know. It says still waiting for OutKick uh, on the YouTube chat. So there you go. All right. Let's look at brackets, brackets, and more brackets. All right. I'm going from the upper left. My bracket. Yeah, I had Gonzaga winning. Damn right I did. They should have beat Georgia State. In fact, let's just cut to the chase. I got Gonzaga going all the damn way to the Final Four. I've got Gonzaga winning the national championship. Hey, I did take Memphis. And again, those of you that watch Memphis, holy cow. I took UConn over New Mexico State. I took Arkansas to beat Vermont. Close one. So I'm all right. 
I'm hanging in there. I took Arkansas to then win the next game and play the Zags, and the Zags win, staying at the top of the Western side. So we did that. Um, So I got the Zags going through, but they got to beat Arkansas. I got Arkansas playing the Zags. Arkansas is good now. Don't mess around with Arkansas. Very, very good. Uh, I had Notre Dame beating either Rutgers, didn't matter, Rutgers or uh, Notre Dame. I had them beating them. Texas Tech winning, Texas Tech beating Notre Dame, Michigan State beating Davison, Duke, Duke, Duke beat. You see my bracket right here. Duke winning. I had Duke beating Michigan State. So Duke, Texas Tech. I got Texas Tech. Now remember, that game, this is weird. I think I'm going to bet on Duke, though. I have theories in stuff. I have theories like this. All right, let's talk about it. I have a theory. You give Urban Meyer points in a college football game, you're going to win money all the time. You give Nick Saban points in a college football game, you're going to win money all the time. Let's just be honest about that. All right? Let's just do that. Let's just talk that. So what am I getting? Mike Krzyzewski and points. Mike Krzyzewski and points? Are you kidding me? Mike Krzyzewski and points? I'll take it every time. Probably lose. Texas Tech's good team. A lot of you believe in a conspiracy theory, right? A lot of you believe that Duke has to make the Final Four. I almost went Bill Clinton right there. We will not have sex with that woman. But I'll have sex with everybody else. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I got Duke. I got Texas Tech beating Duke, but I'm going to take the points and Duke. And then I got the Zags winning, getting to the Final Four out of the West. You can see here. On below in the east, Baylor, baby, North Carolina, oops, oops. I had North Carolina losing to Baylor. Hey, give both credit. I don't care. Give both credit. I got UCLA, the fighting Jaime Hawkins. Obviously, I lost with Indiana. I did not think Indiana would quit like they did. And then I got Xavier Johnson, the player for Indiana. Well, you you play five games in eight days. Okay. I'm sorry, Peaches. We'll try harder next time. Anyway. Uh, there you go. So that's that. But I do have UCLA against Baylor. I do. I got UCLA against Baylor. I have got uh, UCLA winning that over North Carolina. I got Purdue going to the Final Four. I didn't have St. Peter's. No chance I was having St. Peter's. I wasn't having St. Peter's. I wasn't having St. Peter's today. I wasn't having St. Peter's tomorrow. I wasn't having St. Peter's the next day. I ain't never having St. Peter's, but they won, and I like them, and I like Shaheen Holloway, but they ain't beating Purdue. They ain't beating Purdue. Purdue has the man masquerading as a mountain, or the mountain masquerading as a man is Edie. They've got Williams. Williams is playing well. They've got wings. I understand. Kentucky was no good. Let's talk about that. They were no good. They had nothing going on. Next thing you know, uh, they won or they lost, and I am going to say all day long, today, tomorrow, or the next day, take Purdue, give the points, it's 12 and a half, and your toes are going to be freaking tapping. I mean, they're going to be tapping. Take Purdue. Purdue's going to the Final Four over UCLA. It's a rematch, 1969, before any of you were born. So I got Purdue in the Zags. I'm still rolling. Uh, I made it on Tennessee. Oh, I'm, yeah, no, Texas. I made it on Purdue. I did not make it. I made it on Murray. Uh, lost to Kentucky once, but I'm hanging in there. Baylor lost. 
Uh, Arizona, top right. And man, is Arizona good. How dumb am I for picking Seton Hall over TCU? Seton Hall, my ass. Kevin Willard left. He was one foot out the door, I just found out uh, a while ago. I did not know that. I did not know this. But he apparently was one foot out the door. And guess what? You're not supposed to be one foot out the door. You're supposed to be in the house coaching your team. Well, his team at Seton Hall played like it was one foot out the damn door. They got beat by TCU. Arizona should have got beat by TCU. A no call, but Arizona survived in advance. Houston, Houston, I got got Illinois right, and then I got them wrong. Houston got their ass beat by Illinois. Oh, I'm sorry. Illinois got their ass beat by Houston. Woo, that was today, tomorrow, and the next day. That was no joke ass whooping. I mean, no joke. And I don't know that Houston's going to slow down. I I don't. But I do know this. Uh, It's going to be a war. You got crazy-ass athletes against a tough-ass athletic team. Houston against Arizona. We'll preview it before it happens, certainly tomorrow. But we're just going through brackets now. Uh, Michigan. Michigan beat Colorado State. I had Tennessee beating Michigan. Uh, Ohio State beating Loyola, which I told you, take that. That that was stupid. People thinking that Loyola was going to win. No, that was stupid. Uh, Villanova will advance. I've got Villanova against Arizona in the Elite Eight. And Arizona is going to get to the Final Four. And I'm telling you right now, there's nothing that I've seen out of Arizona that says it's not going to happen. They're a bit AAU-ish in their exuberance, and it may come back to cost them. It may. I'm not saying it will, but it may. On the bottom here, Kansas, Creighton beat San Diego State, and Kansas beat Creighton. My problem is right here. I had Iowa over Richmond. I had Providence over South Dakota State. And then I had Iowa. What a stupid I am. That's just dumb. To quote my dad, hey, Dan, that's just dumb. What the hell are you doing? My dad didn't talk like that. We don't talk. We don't, we don't talk like this, and we don't talk like that. We just have this D's, Dem, and Dozers. You know what I mean? From Northwest Indiana, Chicago. That's how we talk. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's, it's who we are. I never knew there was a Chicago accent until I went down to Bloomington. And next thing you know, everybody was talking like, hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm like, I dub these damn and those. I'm good. How you doing? Yeah. Anyway, Iowa State over LSU. Wisconsin over Creighton. Lovely. Did not see Iowa State beating Illinois or Wisconsin. Didn't see that. Uh-uh. Saw Miami in the first round over the craziness that is LSU, and I saw Auburn over Jackson State, although Jacksonville State didn't even give them a game. I thought they would. Uh, I did have uh, Auburn over Miami. Miami's good, man. They got his guard, Charlie Moore. Think about this. Four freaking schools in six years. Good for him. That'll work out well. You can go to a lot of alumni games. Anyway, Iowa State, Auburn, I got that whole thing screwed up. Scratch it out, scratch it out. I got My whole bracket down here stinks. It's horrible. The only team I've got left in this entire Midwest bracket is Kansas, and I got them losing this week to Iowa, and Iowa ain't even playing. My final four, Iowa out. Arizona, Zags, Purdue in. The Zags in Arizona, I like that game. I think that game will be fun. 
I think West Coast basketball will be back. Look, but I'll tell you this, and I'm going to keep telling you this. I am not going to be surprised at anything. Nothing. When you tell me, hey, Dan, Iowa State's going to the Final Four. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't tell you you're wrong because I've said this. Maybe Arizona is physically dominant enough, athletic enough. Maybe Purdue with the bigs physically, at least inside, but their guard play isn't great and their defense isn't wonderful. Maybe those two teams athletically can overwhelm you. Maybe Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, the two bigs for Gonzaga, can dominate you physically and overwhelm you. But I don't really see it. I don't really see a team that, man, when they walk out there, you are screwed. Now, I have not mentioned as much as I should Houston. Houston physically dominated Illinois. But Illinois, I thought, was in a bad stretch. I didn't think Illinois was playing well. I thought their guards were playing really bad. But here's the deal with Houston. If you get a cut, if something happens, Houston pounces. Like, you know, what do they say? Chum? I'm going chumming in the sea. I throw all that stuff out there, and here come the sharks. Well, if you bleed a little bit, or if you've got a weakness, boom, Houston is right there, and they are going to attack. My problem with Houston, besides the fact that Calvin Sampson's cheap, is I think Houston, or I saw Houston not play very well at home with a 37-game winning streak against an athletic team in Memphis, did the game for Westwood One Radio, and I don't, man, I'm watching them, and I'm like, yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah, they're tough. They end up losing a game in the end. How tough are they? And maybe that propelled them. I don't know. But I do know this. They play hard. And that audio we played earlier, Samson can get a team to play hard. There's no question. But when he talks accountability, that's like me talking about hair grooming. Hey, Dan, what kind of uh, hairspray should I use? Uh, Well, I think, you know what, based on my hair, you should do this, that, or the other. Calvin Sampson talking about keeping players accountable and pride in your program is like me talking about hair grooming. Or me saying, well, you know, I'm really handsome. You can say anything you want. I mean, let's be honest. You can say any damn thing you want. I can say this shirt's green. Yeah, it's St. Patty's Day. I'm wearing green. You can say anything you want. My problem is when people just say stuff, I kind of listen, and I go, all right, that ain't true. Yeah, that ain't true. No, that, that's not true. We had dudes literally, I mean literally, walk in, and the entire room smelled like weed and they walked into a film session before we're getting on the bus and nothing happened and we won the game which made all Indiana fans get a little tingly inside right a little tingly accountability from Calvin Sampson hair grooming from Dan Dockage it's basically the same thing all right uh, I'm going to go through from now until Thursday. We're basically going to get you set up for the weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Allison Williams is going to join us. The world owes Allison Williams an apology. I mean, honest to God. How about, how about now there are places where you're not even allowed to ask if people have been vaccinated? How about now we've got Leah Thomas not putting 
her his her male parts away. Huh? Yesterday was a weird day. Remember when we came on the air, we got male her male parts not being put away. We've got Kenny Pickett, his hand size is an eighth of an inch bigger. Holy hell. I think I got called bad names for my take on Leah Thomas. Why can't we just have a conversation about it? Why can't we just say, why do progressives have to say, he's a bully? He's anti-whatever. I'm not anti-nothing. I'm pro-conversation. That's what I'm pro. I'm pro, hey, uh, if 12 women in a locker room, or however many, are upset because of this unique situation, then how about we help out all parties and make all parties comfortable. You know, uh, last thing, I got about a minute. Last thing, back in the day when, uh, I, when we had the Final Four here in Indianapolis and the world was nuts over whose bathroom you're going to use, I said, look, and Indiana was one of those states and Colin Cowherd had me on and he asked me, I go, I don't know what's so hard about this. Put two doors, one says restroom, one says restroom. I got killed, crushed. Uh, Leah Thomas thing, if 12, 15, 20 girls are uncomfortable, separate place to dress. Not far away. Just say, let's just be people. Well, you don't understand that. that, that, that. No, I I do understand. Let's Let's just be rational people. Makes sense to me. Doggett, you're a bully and a bigot. If that's being a bully and a bigot, then I guess I'm a bully and a bigot. I don't know what to tell you. But it seems like, seems like, I don't know, seems like the whole bathroom thing worked out. Restroom, restroom. Whoa. <laughs> Jeez. But I am the commissioner of common sense. We got a monster for you today. Uh, coming up, 930, Allison Williams, 10 o'clock, Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb has some very interesting things on why things happened last weekend, why dunks affected the game, why non-calls affected the game. And then the great Tom Izzo, we're going to talk about his relationship with Kay, how weird it was coaching Kay's last game, basically, and his career and all of those things. Keep it right here, baby. We'll be right back. Go tell your friends. Tweet it out that our show. Look, all you guys that are on Twitter, just tweet out, this is our show, let's go. I need more followers, listeners, whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. She's the best. America owes this woman an apology. I'm just telling you. She stood up. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but with all that's going on around Disney and ESPN and all their tweets, I don't know. It's not so bad not being there, it seems like. Seems like there's a lot of stuff going on there, like... And why, let me ask you this. This pisses me off, all right? So ESPN's going to put this thing out about we stand with, well, everybody stands with these, nobody's not standing with anybody. Right. No one's not, I mean, you don't get moral high ground because you put a tweet out that says we stand with people. 
You don't get a moral high ground. We all stand with people. We all stand with the lesbian community. Well, who doesn't stand with <laughs> right. it? Right. No. Um, yeah, that tweet was a little bizarre to me. And like the, the first sentence of it is um, about human rights. But like, okay, so you have human rights, but you also have mandates. So you don't think like forcing someone to inject something against their will is a human right? I mean, I don't know, like when it's politically and socially convenient, you want to take a stand for human rights and call it. Yeah, um, it, it's very bizarre to me. It was bizarre to me that um, a couple of announcers who I've worked with and I have a tremendous amount of respect with and genuinely like felt the need to to pause and take a moment of silence before a game and protest to the Florida bill that they call the don't hate, don't call gay bill. Um yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird. And like the encouragement of Disney employees to walk out and protest of it, um, which if you really look at the bill, um, it first of all, it doesn't mention the word gay, <laughs> which is the irony of the whole thing. Right. Um, right. And it right. Only right. Applies to K through three and just restricts schools from getting into gender ideology and um and so forth and it, it it's not very restrictive at all and if you want to have those conversations with your children you certainly can nothing is precluding parents from being parents i mean what a novel concept right um but this indoctrination of, of young people and encouraging them to question their sexuality and gender when they should be learning their abcs and basic math and other uh basic skills that i think parents send them to school to learn um, and, and not some of the more complicated issues when they're like five years old. I, I, I'm not sure why people have such an issue with and think it's, it's anti LGBTQIA plus if I've lost an initial in there, I apologize. You've lost. You've, <laughs> yeah, you've lost. You've lost. You can't, I, I, I'm stunned by it because, you know, again, I've had, you know, you're, you're on various group chats and. Our third grade teacher was Sister Geraldine. And if Sister Geraldine would have called us in and said, hey, fellas, we're going to talk about whether you're a boy or not. And, you're, and we're like, what? Shut up. We're going to go play Brad Greenwell's team on recess. <laughs> Let me there. And my daughter's a teacher. My, my daughter's a teacher. You think she wants to have these conversations? I, I hope she doesn't. She wants to teach kids. Yeah. No. She wants to teach kids. Teach kids. Help kids. Not determine whether or not... I don't know. They're boy, girl. What are we doing? This is insanity yeah, and, to me. And even if you take the argument like, well, there's kids that are struggling with this, that are in unsafe environments or uh, where like parents are concerned. There's a there's a paragraph. There's like a clause in the bill to address that. Like if they think there could be issues at home um, to pr help protect these children. So, yes, teachers should teach. They should look out for the best interests of their students. This bill does not prohibit that. And to turn it into something it isn't um, for the sake of, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a DeSantis smear campaign thing. Um, I'm not sure what the motivation is between having just a false conversation about what this actually is and what it represents. And I think that's like this dangerous place we've gotten into is where we're not even in touch with reality anymore. And we we say things um, because they stick instead of because of them like having substance and truth. And now the truth is being convoluted and that puts you in a, a really weird and dangerous place where like you can't have honest, can candid conversations with people about stuff that really matters um, because the truth isn't being 
utilized anymore. And, and, and that to me is concerning. I think if you really sit down and like talk to people about what the substance of this is, most reasonable people could agree that there isn't anything really dangerous or threatening in this legislation. Um, but they don't want to go there. They just want to attack and say that, you know, they're being discriminated against and this is harmful to, to a certain um, subset of children. But um, I think what it really tries to do is just let kids be kids. And what, I mean, I think, God, we need that more than now than ever. Oh, my God. I couldn't imagine, number one, being homeschooled all year. Number two, having to wear a mask when I go back. Number three, having to stay six, eight yeah. feet away. Number four, got to get a bunch of injections. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I swear to God, I just, I, I'm good. Hey, do whatever you want to do. But I do know this. If you don't just fully support it, you get called mm -hmm. all kinds mm -hmm. of names. And I, what did you think? All right, I'm going to give you my take on the cut-in. I thought the cut-in was ridiculous. I, 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 uh, L. Duncan may be the nice, I don't know. I mean, I, fine. Uh, I know Courtney Lyle, my wife's worked with him, and she just started laughing. She says, oh, my God. This. And I know Carolyn Peck didn't have any substance to it because she had to read. She, she had, you know, I think this is the, it's like, stop. Like, okay, so why isn't, why aren't we wondering about ESPN's position on everything? Don't we have to have, ESPN's position on right. All Where things? do you draw, draw the line then? Important? They've really gone in all in on right. this. Um, I I try to put myself in the announcers' positions, right? And okay, what went into that production meeting? What was the discussion being had? Uh, what were the pros and cons to it? Was this something they genuinely believed? Was this something that the response? And I personally, I haven't reached out to Courtney or Carolyn. Um, I got the sense that they saw stuff on social media and just felt a need to respond. Um, instead of saying, what's the impact, impact of this game on these players in this moment, um, I think they got into the social media weeds a little bit. And, and that was probably, I'm assuming here, again, I have not spoken to them. It just felt really unnecessary. Um, there are times I think when we deviate off the court into social issues, and I think we've been encouraged to do that. You and I both know that from our time at ESPN, but it was always within reason. There was always a connection. There was always um, a, a tie, whether it be locally or nationally or directly with the player or a team. Um, this felt, this felt forced. This felt like we're going to jam this in here because we're responding to something that we're seeing externally. And um, I, I, it, it just felt completely unnecessary and, um, and uncomfortable. I, and I'm not saying like they don't both genuinely believe what they said, but there was something uncomfortable about that, that moment to me that felt a little disingenuous. And so to me, I, I, I don't know what their private feelings are. Um, I think they're trying to do the right thing and, and, and support um, a community that has supported women's athletics. And that was important to them. And I, I can understand where they're coming from from that direction um but it just felt it felt very forced to me i had a friend uh i don't think you know him at espn who who does rap shows and stuff and all that and he said dan it was like l duncan hijacked the network <laughs> he goes that's how bad really? it felt to people that worked there like like yeah like it was like oh, all of a sudden hey get a camera on me and we're going to do this. But, hey, be that as it may, good for them. Uh, yay, Ra, go fight, win. Uh, NCAA, <laughs> I mean, honest to God, what are you going to do? I mean, you're watching the game and all of a sudden, L. Duncan's there like, what? Oh, okay, go, good, man. Go, you know, go, go get him. Go do your thing. Yeah, go fight, win. Yay, Ra. Uh, 
What do you think? What do you think of the NCAA tournament so um, far? Phenomenal. It, it's been so fun. I feel like there needs to be a phrase for the Monday after the first weekend because that's like a serious state of sadness. <laughs> it's like March sadness that Monday after. Yes. You're like, oh, March sadness. Oh, there's yes. no basketball today. What am I going to do? I have to like go yeah. outside to get away from my television. This is terrible. Um, I I I kind of loved it, and I am not a. I'm not a Danny Cannell, super anti-SEC person, but I just love whenever these tournaments and postseason games and football too, like they show us that we know absolutely nothing, that the experts don't know shit. And I love it because all that matters is what happens on the court. And the SEC got absolutely destroyed um, and and blew up people's <laughs> brackets left and right. And it just cracked me up because all season long, all you heard about was the SEC and the Big 12. And then Kentucky goes out there and falls in the first round and I mean look like honestly Auburn destroyed my bracket but they did it at the hands of Miami and like I should have known better because all season I'm watching my canes and I'm like these guys are really good like like why are they not getting yes. any respect nationally and I kept thinking all right once they beat Duke like they'll jump up and they weren't and um I, I was frustrated all year by the lack of respect they got so I, I had them you know winning that first game but I just thought Auburn was going to be too much for them um, and their guard play and stuff. And so I did not, like I had Auburn going to the final four. I thought that was going to be the team out of the SEC that carried the weight. I thought Tennessee would, would lose before that. Um, so I was super stoked for the ACC, super stoked for Miami. Like, and, and then I just appreciated, like, I felt like there were more close games this year. And I don't know if that's just recency bias, but it seemed like they were more competitive across the board this year, just, which I just, I felt like, like there were multiple times during, you know, the four days that I'm like, okay, which game do I watch? Cause they're both really good right now. And usually you can pick one cause the other ones blow out and, and, and be done. Um, so it was just, it was so fun. It was so fun to have March back in full force. I want to go back to Miami. You're a Miami gal. You are Miami. When people say Miami, they say Michael Irvin, <laughs> Bernie Kosar, Ellison Williams. That's totally, what they every time. I happen to watch <laughs> every time. I, I happen to watch them against Duke. I don't I was home. I forget. I got home uh, from somewhere Lee and I went, and I turned the Duke Miami game on at uh, Duke, and I'm watching them, and I'm like, whoa, this is a really, really good yeah. team. And I didn't see him again, and I kind of lost it. But I knew Charlie Moore. He had been at DePaul. He had been different places. Uh, and I don't know. Guards win. They've got really good guards. They cut. They move. I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship, but they're going. I didn't get to the I, Elite Eight. I do. I think they're going to play Kansas in the too. Elite Eight. I, and they're really well coached. They're really well coached. Yeah. Really well. And he's insane. Yes. I followed him at Bowling <laughs> Green. <person>. He's whacked <laughs> yeah. out. He's a crazy he's person. He's crazy. Um, you know, it was funny because Chris Caputo, oh. their assistant there, well, like what other head assistants, he, I remember talking to him last year at the ACC tournament. And remember, they were killed by in injuries last year. Like they lost everybody. I mean, they were yes. playing with seven scholarship guides. They lost everyone. And he kept telling me, he's like, Al, I, I know we've said this, but he's like, we're going to be really good next year because we're getting everybody back. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. You know, hope so. Uh, and this year, every time I watched them and I, it would just be snippets here that I'm like, dang, these guys can play like Wardenberg's a really good player. Wong's a really good player and they play really good team basketball. 
And I think that's what you saw against Auburn. I mean, Coach L coached the hell out of that game. Like, they played that game flawlessly, and they executed it exactly what they needed to do. They are a solid, solid team. And, and, and I think indicative a little bit of, like, the ACC bias this year that the league was down and it just wasn't a good year. And so nobody gave them credit for some really good wins that they had in conference play. Um, so yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I hope, I hope they take care of Iowa state. Um, obviously they're kind of the, the hot fun team right now too. I just get nervous because it was last time they were in this position. I believe it was uh, Loyola Chicago. That was their Cinderella story when they went to the final four and they beat Miami um, on the way. So I'm like, Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen again. But um, yeah, they've been, they've, they've been good all year, but nobody's paid any attention to them. Um, so I hope they get to play Kansas and, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. But We don't, we don't only Allison Williams, we don't only have conspiracy theories in politics. We have conspiracy theories in sports. My peeps, the vast dockets <laughs> nation is convinced that Duke is going to get to the Final Four because Coach K has to get to the Final Four. It's the best story. It's Cinderella. They're convinced referees are going to help them. They're convinced television is going to help. Everybody's going to help Duke. Your thoughts okay, on this Okay, but everybody theory? always thinks that everybody's going to help Duke. Like, that, that's a yearly conspiracy right. theory, whether it's Coach every K year. Last right. year or not. Everybody right. thinks Duke right. gets all the calls. All the, right. the bias and all right. that. Um, it would be a phenomenal right. story. So here's here's my con Duke conspiracy theory. My Duke conspiracy theory is that if Coach K doesn't get to the Final Four, he's going to be like, nah, I I'm going to run this back one more time and pull a Tom Brady and not actually retire. Ooh. That's my that's like my joke conspiracy theory because he's like, he can't go out having lost his last home game, last game to North Carolina. He lost in the ACC championship. And then if he doesn't get to the Final Four, like he's – you know, he's crazy competitive. I could be like, yeah, I could see him be like, yeah, you know, 41 years, not quite enough. Like, we're going we're gonna to have to do this one more time. Tom Brady did it. Why can't I? He's a goat. Nobody, nobody knocked him for coming out of retirement before really retiring. So that's my Duke conspiracy theory, that if they don't get the final four, Kay will be like, Shire, you, you just chill for one more year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay you, head coach. Do you, have you ever been in, in Kay's office? Yeah. I have. It's like a shrine. So you know mm -hmm. this. Yes, you got to go. There's offices, coaches. There's a. There's a. It's like uh, who's who's is it? Goldilocks at top of the temple. Who the hell's at the top? And if somebody comes to save them in, in Disney, I don't know. But it's like that kind of a right. building, right? It's and then the assistants, and then your thumbprint. You got to go up to here. He's keeping that office. Let me add to your conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. He has said he's not moving out of that office. So hey. It ain't like they got to move the furniture back. I mean, you know? the, it's one less hassle. The pictures aren't coming off the walls, so. <laughs> right. I don't look. I think a lot of people, but he looks to me now. Again, I I don't know my ass from third base, but he looks to me to be miserable. Like every time I see him, I I feel like he's miserable. Like he just looks mad. Yeah. All the time, and I don't know. I mean, but. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't I, look. If you were going to say to me, I would make it seventy thirty. He stays retired. I'm not making it a hundred percent. In fact, I might make it sixty really? forty okay. that he See? stays retired. Let's, let's. I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't. I don't I mean, think you're wrong. I just. It's his life. It's um, the only thing that would be embarrassing is he like did the whole farewell tour. 
So unlike Brady, who announced it right. post-season, right? I mean, that's a little embarrassing when everybody's like paid homage and you've gotten all these gifts and everybody's done the celebration and there's like this this big, you know, send-off. And then if you're like, no, 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 it's cool, but like, let's just do it again. Then that would be a little man. awkward. Hey, <laughs> man, you mind giving us whatever the hell we gave you right. back so we can do it again this rap. year? Yeah. You know, I don't. I'm I'm not I'm I I'm not saying no. Let's let's just let's put it that way. All right. When you look across the board, you're on the West Coast, Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona. Let, we all you and I covered the Big Ten for years. You mentioned the SEC going down. Hey, I feel like every year we talk about the Big Ten this, Big Ten that. We got two out of nine left. And, oh, by the way, West Coast basketball, pretty damn good again. 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 Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't again, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, well. I don't know. No, it's it's super interesting. And I think think Gonzaga deserves a lot of the the credit for that, even though they're not in the Pac-12, like – like what they've been able to do in their conference and the way they've shifted the attention out West and, and consistently, I mean, Mark few has been doing this consistently now for the last several years, since he got through to the final four in Phoenix a few years ago, was it 2016 or so. Um, so he's developed a consistent winner there and they consistently go deep in the tournament. And now you've got UCLA back in, in the mix in the pack 12 Um it's, it's interesting. I mean, cause I feel like like the Kansas or kind of like the more Arizona's, I mean, they've been, they've been there. Right. But UCLA was down for so many years and now that they're good. Um, it's, it's super interesting. And I feel like too, when you look at the big 10, whenever Michigan state is down, that to me is kind of, um, they're a little bit like the UNC Duke, like where Michigan state falls is kind of, I feel like how, the big 10 is viewed to a certain extent. And because you're having the great time as on in a little bit, um, we'll give them that credit, but like, he, he, because he's been a consistent contender too. So like whenever they have a down year, I feel like the conference looks down, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, West yeah. coast basketball. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously here to say, I mean, as much attention as we pay to all the East coast games and East coast teams and all that, like you better stay up late if you want, if you want some good basketball, because that's where it's being played right now. And again, it's a consistency. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's every year. It's all right. I have a, I have a, um, this isn't a conspiracy theory, but I have a Phil Mickelson take that I'm curious your thoughts on, because you, you have, you have balance. (laughs) You have strong standards, but empathy. I have strong standards, I guess, and zero empathy. I'm like, (laughs) you got to do this because of this, and you have sense. So, all right, Phil Mickelson had all his problems with, you know, he tried to take over the tour, whatever. So then Phil Mickelson's going to take a year off. I'm saying this, Allison. Phil Mickelson, you're 50, whatever you are. You only got so many years not to be a ceremonial golfer. He said he's not going to play in the Masters. I say BS. Get your ass to Augusta, play in the Masters, do a press conference, say, look, you don't like what I did? I don't like what I did. It's over. I'm moving on. Hit one down the middle and let's go. Get off your ass, Phil. Don't bow to a woke crowd and hide and play. What are your thoughts if you have any on that situation? <laughs> I, I would, I, I do agree with you. I, I think you go play. Like, 
this whole um, force, like apology cancellation culture, like enough. I mean, the, the fact that everybody thinks they have a right not to be offended and like nobody should ever say anything that isn't completely in line with a certain side. Like, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm, I, it's created this ridiculous like division and um, no, I agree. Go play, make it about golf again. And I think the sooner you do that, the sooner you put it behind you. Like just like get it back on the course. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Um, it, look, I don't know physically if there's issues there at all with him. Um, but I think if he's physically capable, then yeah, go out there, confront it. It's golf. Tiger Woods continues to be liked. Look at what he has done and gone through and how he is screwed up. Like the right. public will forgive you. Um, get back out there, Lefty. Right. I'm with you. Yeah, get out there and say, hey, look, I'm going back to my Buddhist principles like Tiger did, and yeah. then go play. Yeah, I mean, just do what Calvin Sam. Yeah, Calvin Sampson's giving a speech on he's talking about making players accountable. Hell, I was there when the whole team was smoking. <laughs> I mean, just just say it and then and then go play. All right. Something, two things I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Okay. You ready for them? Leah Thomas will not cover up. Her male junk in the locker room. The term her male part is her male genitalia in the locker room. Why is this so difficult that if you have, and, and her teammates are apparently uncomfortable, why is this so difficult if we have a whole team here and this unique situation is making people uncomfortable? Why can't we solve the situation? Just say, okay, hey, hey look, we're going to solve it. We're going to make everybody comfortable here. We're gonna, you're going to dress in a little separate area. No big deal. Why is, is that so wrong? Is that, don't, we, don't we at some point have to consider the teammates and their feelings in a locker room, a woman's locker room? Yeah. I, why can't we just have a little bit of an area? Why, why is this hard? I Tell me, tell me I'm no, wrong, please. No, you're not. Tell me I'm wrong. And I'm all for inclusion. Um, we have to get past this. We don't want to exclude anybody, so we're going to offend the masses to make one person feel more comfortable. And we can't say the feelings of one trump the feelings of seventeen others. And I'm not saying that they should dictate everything but th they need to have a voice and if it's an uncomfortable situation that should that could be rectified easily then that needs that needs to happen um the thing that bothers me with the whole leah thomas situation is that I, it doesn't seem like anybody is giving much weight to the experiences of her teammates and her competitors and how it's impacting them and if you want to argue that she has a right to compete, like, great, let's have that conversation. But can we also acknowledge that it takes away directly opportunities from other young women who have also trained their entire lives as women to compete in this sport? And we need to be able to have this in a civil manner. And instead of attacking anybody that thinks that maybe Leah Thomas does have a biological advantage because she is a biological male and calling them um, derogatory names, can, can we just talk about the facts that she is significantly taller? She has wider shoulders, slender hips, bigger feet, bigger hands. These are things that are um, uh, uh, because she is and was born a male. She was born a male. So we have to stop pretending like differences don't exist because how do you celebrate differences if you pretend they don't exist? Okay. 
And it's mind boggling to me that people like you can be inclusive and also want fairness. And the fact that we are um, censoring, did you see this? The, The woman who missed out on the NCAA tournament yes. from Virginia Tech, the swimmer there, was blocked off of Twitter. She had her account taken off of Twitter. I mean, this is asinine. She spoke out that she felt like her spot was stolen and she has been blocked from Twitter. Like that's the point we're at. She didn't say anything um, hateful. She just expressed her feelings. So if Leah Thomas is able to express her gender why is this woman, uh, Rika, I think is her name. I hope I'm saying that right. Why is she not able to express her opinion? Yeah. And and we have to stop with this pointing fingers and thinking everybody is a bigot and transphobic. And and if you don't support Leah Thomas, you don't support women's sports. Like, no, this, this is an unfair advantage. And um, just because you go through hormone therapy does not make you a woman. I understand you. There is a disconnect. Like my thing Sports should be based on sex, not gender. So I understand there is a disconnect for some people between their gender and their sex and that they are not always aligned. And I empathize with those people. I I can't even imagine how difficult uh, a place of dissonance that creates within your day-to-day life and internally and the struggle and so forth. But that does not change the fact that biologically you are still a male. And while there are surgeries and treatments and therapies you can go through to help you feel and express more the gender you identify with biologically there are still certain parts of you that are always going to be male or female based on how you were born and some of those things give you direct advantages in sports and we need to be able to talk about that um because i understand sex and gender can be different but i don't understand why gender determines where you compete nobody nobody told leah thomas she couldn't transition and continue can continue to compete on the men's team like, let, let me let me address that. Let, yeah. Can I address that? On on Yale's softball team, there is a woman that is transitioning to a man, playing on the Yale softball team. Now, Leah Thomas is a man transitioning to a woman on the woman's mm-hmm. swim team. Why isn't the person the woman? And this will come out soon enough. Uh, but Yale has a woman transitioning to a man. Why isn't she playing on the baseball right. team? She's playing on, a, on the women's team. Why, we, why is it right. that? And we see, we see it in the NBA or the WNBA, right? Where there's like non-binary um, people who play and so forth. And so it seems like a, it's, it's become more of an issue with women's sports. And, and, and that right. to me is concerning because of the plight that women have had to get to a level playing field and opportunity within sports. And especially when you talk about the Olympics and the fact that there will be Olympic opportunities taken away from women, that that is concerning to me. If she, and if she does want to compete in that pool, there should be an asterisk or there should be we're awarding the top four medals or there like there needs to be some some sort of accommodation or concession if you're going to allow this because to act like these differences don't impact the sport i think is very um it, i just think it's unfair and it bothers me so much more in individual sports than team sports um because of because of the advantages that can come with the differences biologically, right? And they are the way they directly impact speed yeah. and, and and strength and so forth. So 
um, look, the conversation needs to be had and it needs to be had without accusing people of being terrible persons for thinking that she does have an advantage over her fellow swimmers. When we, po- when we, as you know, when we post this interview, there yeah. will be hate. Yeah, and I, I understand that. <laughs> it's, it's and I understand that that's why a lot of people don't talk about it. Because if you don't think like people, now we just hate right. people who don't think like us. I would, honestly, God, if I could get any interview right now, I would want to sit down with Leah Thomas. Like I, I, I genuinely have empathy for her as a person, as an athlete. I think what she's gone through, I think it took courage to do what she's doing. I really do. I think there is, I think she's great. Absolutely. To do what she's doing. I do too. Um, but I, I think she also has to be honest with herself and, and the, the things that make her special and different um, and the advantages that they give her. So I, I think there can be a respectful way to have this conversation, but it sure should ain't happening on Twitter or like online, right? So we need to, no. have, these, we need to have these conversations no. with people and we need to be comfortable having conversations again with people who don't think like us. And we've gotten to the place where we don't do that anymore. And that needs to happen with this issue because the implications are too big. Well, I, I, that's really well said because I have said, and Lee, Lee and I obviously talk about this a lot. We, we both said, I mean, look, it takes a ton mm-hmm. of courage every day to listen to, to listen to or read or see, you know, yourself being just crucified or loved either way, you know, in the media every day as a 20 year old or whatever it is. I mean, it does take yeah. a ton of courage, but it is a bigger, it, it is a bigger issue that unfortunately people twice, three times the age of Leah Thomas can't have a rational conversation on. It's, 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 it's not frustrating anymore. It's almost accepted, but you know what? Screw it. More conversations like you and I are having, maybe, maybe it'll make it easier for people. I don't know, but I'm with you. I would love to talk to Leah Thomas because I think it's a fascinating story. I got to run. You're the best. You got to run. You got to run to where are you running to? It's not even light outside. (laughs) That's what I need. Where the hell are you running? Need my latte. You're the best. (laughs) Hey, Dubs. Thanks, A-Dubs. All right. She's the best, man. She's the smartest, most sensible, empathetic, and toughest person you will ever meet when it comes to these issues. And look, I mean, why can't you have a reasonable conversation? Doug Gottlieb, we got him on? Oh, let's go. We'll just go straight to the man. We got the man? Yeah, let's go. We don't need a break. What the hell am I breaking for? Doug's the hardest working man in television. Hey, Doug, I want to get into something so people understand this. You said something that I thought was great. Two things. Because there are very few people that I talk to that understand the psychology of basketball. Let's just go that way. Scott Skiles famously said, you know what? Basketball is like church. Many attend, few understand. You talked about Jabari Smith getting dunked on in the Auburn game by the Miami kid Wong. And you talked about the refs basically saying to Davison, no, we're not going with this crap and how it affected both. Can you expound first on Jabari Smith and then on Davison? I think the biggest thing that we do that's a mistake as uh, fans of the sport or as coaches of the sport, um, and I think especially betters of the sport, is we try and eliminate the mentality of the human being. Sometimes we do. We think, you know, road game. Um, we think about crowds. But really that, I don't know, you've coached it at that high level. I've played it, coached it some. And, you know, they're still kids, and especially Jabari Smith. And here's Jabari Smith. He's 18 years old. 
I think he'll be the number one pick in the draft. Everybody's told how great he is. You know, he had this unbelievable dunk in the first round where it set the world on fire. The crowd's going crazy. The TV crew's going crazy. And they're playing against Miami. And, and the way it usually works, but it usually works is nowadays when you play against somebody, you know who they are, right? You play, you're warming up against Miami and you're like, I don't know who any of those dudes are. Like Charlie Moore, dude, that's a <laughs> right. different generation of player. I mean, think about this for a second. Like Charlie Moore is <laughs> a completely different generation of player. And Isaiah Wong, there's no way Jabari Smith has ever heard of or conceptualized Isaiah Wong. Was Isaiah Wong dunked so hard, I felt like the soul left Jabari Smith's body. And here's where that team, and I liked Auburn. I thought they had, when I saw him a couple times in person, I was like, that's the best team in the country. They have in Kentucky. They had the best dude. They had the best, they had a little bit of everything that they needed. But those point guards weren't leaders. They just weren't. And I think here's where kind of Bruce missed as well is when they came out of the break, it was a one point game. Um, I, I He felt shook, you know, and you got to know when you're a point guard, like, all right, I got to get this dude going again. I got to get him a lob, whatever it is. Gotta, he, he likes that elbow. ISO. let's just keep going that elbow. ISO until he's right again, because he was not right again. And sometimes in boxing, sometimes a guy catches a jab in an early round and it stuns him and it affects him for several other rounds in basketball. I think in this particular case, um, I thought Jabari Smith getting dunked on late in the first half. I thought that completely changed Jabari. I thought it completely changed Auburn. And I thought it completely changed Miami. And then Miami just, I mean, just feasted on him in the second half. And then, you know, Wisconsin, I like Brad Davison. I know most people, most players in the Big Ten can't stand him. But by the end of your career, when you've been doing a while, and I, I suffered this, you know, like I couldn't shoot by the end of the career. It's just like, it was a joke. You know, it like all the bad things or all the good things can manifest itself. And I saw him playing in round two. And he's doing his Brad Davison thing where he's kind of throwing his body into places and flopping. And he got a couple calls that were bizarre. But it felt like the officials at some point are like, Mm, we're just done with this. We've seen this shit for six years. We're done. <laughs> and he had a couple of what I thought were terrible calls go against him. And the look on his face, he was like apoplectic, you know? And so when you take away the core of what kind of somebody does, where for Jabari, it was his confidence. And for Brad, it's his ability to kind of draw fouls and to, to draw calls and to get, the other team off their game. If you take away that from guys, how they react, how you take away somebody's fastball, do they have another pitch? I think Auburn wasn't ready for that. Collectively as a team, they didn't get him back going. And I think Wisconsin, there's a lot of reasons they lost. I mean, they shot like one of 18 from three, like, you know. Yeah. But I do think for Brad in his last game, it was one of those, the officials were like, we're done. We're just done, Brad. Sorry. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. How – let me ask you from a – because you know every player. Like, you're a savant with this stuff. How good actually is St. Peter's? I think they're pretty good. I also think that the, the Purdue matchup, like, that's a – there's a uh, – it's not just David versus Goliath in terms of size, right? Like, 
people have seen Purdue, like Zach Eady blocks out the sun. He's a gigantic young man, 310 pounds, seven foot three, seven foot four. I mean, and you're going against St. Peter's. It's got smaller diminutive in their move, but it's also how they're playing and how they're moving. Like Shaheen is my age and my age, you can go either way. You either run what your coach ran in college and he played for Tommy, Tommy Amaker at Seton Hall, or you're like, Hey, I'm running the new stuff and he's running all the new stuff and they're, they're moving it. They're trying to engage switches. Um, I think they're beautifully coached. I don't know truthfully how they, how they'll defend Purdue. And I don't know how, and this is a hard one. I don't know if you've been in this situation going home sometimes is a bad idea. Stay on the road can be a bad idea too, because you're just not used to it. Uh, but going home can be a bad idea because everybody wants a piece. Sweet 16 for, for St. Peter's is like a final four. They beat Kentucky. Yes. They beat Kentucky. John Calipari's salary is $8 million. The collective budget of St. Saint, uh, Peter's athletic department is $7.5 million. So, I mean, it's an all-timer upset. But sometimes going home can be weird because no matter how locked in kids are, like there's the distraction of being home. And look, they should get the distraction. They should get the out of boys. They should get new women. They should do whatever they want. But in terms of can they beat Purdue, I think they can. Um, I don't know how they rebound against them. I don't know how they stop Travion Williams. On the other hand, how good are they? I think they're pretty good. I think they're really well coached. And I love the way they play. The way they play, um, you get to chasing shooters, and they'll get layup after layup after layup out of slips. And they play a way – they play what I call 2022 basketball where the ball is moving side to side and there's a lot of false motion. And what they're trying to ultimately do is get you in a bad switch to attack your big guy, which you can do against Purdue or get your big guy to hedge out and slip uh, when you're trying to defend their shooters. So Purdue's as good a staff as you're going to find anywhere in the country. I think they played as good a defense as they played all year last weekend, but it's a challenge guarding this type of offense. And it's also hard when you were in Indiana, you guys played like athletes of action, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lorenzo Romar. Yeah, and what do you do? He'd just come down and give it to you, right? Lorenzo Romar is now the coach oh, of Pepper. Oh, God. When he played athletes of action. he just go one-on-one and just give it to you. Oh. The hardest thing to play oh. against in college basketball is a team that has absolutely nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Right. Right. Because you're sitting there and you're Purdue, and like you know, you and I have talked about Jaden Ivey. Like, look, Jaden Ivey's a top five pick. Someone's gonna take him, right? and so and Jaden Ivey already has kind of that confident sort of peacock peacock struck anyway. Um, and now all of a sudden, I got a I got a guard dudes that like they they like to talk about player rankings at it was Zach Eady. Like, good good luck finding those dudes player rankings at St. Peter's. And like now, I, now, <laughs> now I got to go guard these dudes, but they'll make you look bad, and um, they'll humble you in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I was talking to Mike Lewis, assistant at UCLA, about their game, and you know we were talking about how they played St. Mary's. And to your point, there's a lot of personal thing there. You know, you're UCLA, you're not losing to St. Mary's, but he also said their defensive activity 
was as good as it's been all year. That matchup with Carolina is interesting to me, uh, Doug, because ever, Carolina threw four guys in 20 points or more at Duke. They got guys that can go get buckets, and they can throw it inside once in a while on some screen roll stuff in the middle. What do you think about that matchup? Um, I think it's a tough matchup for Carolina, and here's why. I agree. Carolina's playing better basketball than they played all year. I think Hubert and that staff, they kind of got it figured out a little bit. Obviously, up until the last five minutes when it got hairy, or 10 minutes when it got hairy. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was nuts. Um, but, and I don't love UCLA. And Mike has been great in getting me tickets and talking to me about their team. And I don't like them from this standpoint. UCLA is also kind of like figured it out. And teams can do this when they come back from the Final Four where they can go a bunch of different ways. Some can come back super focused, you know, Maryland, go back and win a national title. Some can come back and it's really hard because everybody's told them how good they are. And now they're all, you know, when they have all these agendas of trying to make the NBA and try, all you need, you have to have the agenda of winning. That was the beauty of that team last year. And I do think that some of their lack of success in the regular season, in the Pac-12 postseason, and Mick having his foot, well planted up their ass. Um, I think they felt like over the weekend they woke up because I know they had a couple of issues with a couple of guys trying to do too much and they had meetings with them. And the basic conversation was like, Hey dude, when we got here and we played you, they booed you. Okay. And they booed us for putting you in. <laughs> so now you're a good player, but you're playing like you're one of those numbers that's hanging up. And we love you, but if you're one of those numbers that was hanging up there, you wouldn't be playing here anymore, right? And whatever those conversations were, I think they really, really worked. And the the difference for UCLA, which has hurt them most of the season, is the addition of Miles Johnson. Miles Johnson's a big shot-blocking center. He's a transfer from Rutgers. Of course, they went to the NCAA tournament last year. And Miles is a good player. It's kind of five-on-four on offense with him. He's not really a Huge part of what they do, but uh, defensively, big body shot blocker. But they need him against Baycott. So now I think you'll get more out of Miles Johnson. I think you got the confidence. Johnny Juzang um, showed a lot of toughness in first half. He was terrible. Second half, he came back. He was very good. And then Jaime Jaquez, I, I believe, to be their best player. And then uh, you know the little point guard, he he kind of bailed him out in the first game as well. So he played really well against Akron. I didn't think they played terribly well against Akron. And they just survived. I thought they played one of their three best basketball games of the year um, against St. Mary's. And then St. Mary's didn't shoot very well and didn't play very well in their own right. And so I think, you know, UCLA's best, I think, is a little bit better than North Carolina's. And I also think that, yeah, North Carolina's kind of scary when they get running up and down. I don't think UCLA will let them run up and down. They like to play a lot more in the 60s. And a lot more physically. And some of it will depend upon how the game is officiated. But I don't love the matchup for UCLA. Uh, Duke survived Texas Tech? They can. They can. Um, I thought Notre Dame had about as good a plan as you're going to have, you know, for Texas Tech. Like, stop! don't stop trying to run against them. You got to know their switches are coming. You got to hit that weak side corner anytime you drive. Okay, they are walling off everything you do. And I, I it's going to be a fascinating matchup because all the things that Duke wants to do offensively is all the things that um, that Texas Tech wants to take away. 
Right? Duke wants to get wants to live in the lane. Texas Tech does not want to let you touch the paint. <laughs> so I mean, listen, Notre Dame was like, screw it, we're not touching the paint. We're just throwing it around, drive in, kick it to the weak side, shoot threes. Let's just shoot threes. <laughs> we'll be fine. And they can't score. <laughs> I, the problem with tech is they just can't score. You know? It, it, they just they they can't. They got I don't what what school did the Waterboy play at, right? Where they just they decided, hey, let's just punt every time we get the ball. Tech would love to do that. Their offense can be a little rough. Their defense is awesome. Um, I think Duke survives. I do. I think they find a way to make enough shots. I do think they have good jump shooters. Um, I'll be interested to see how they how they handle the pressure because Texas Tech will extend their pressure. And with Duke playing without a point guard, I would I would extend my pressure a ton. Um, I don't know. I thought, you know, I will say that Duke showed some championship medal there where they're down five. And man, that thing was and t- and, and you want to talk about playing well? Michigan State was just playing well. There weren't any tricks to it. They're just playing good basketball. They're all the things that that, that Izzo had got out of them. Like they're finally hooping. And Duke, that's where those guys are main core players. That's what you can't account for, unless. And this is interesting, Dan, because I talked to a high major coach yesterday, and I was like, "Tell me about summer recruiting." He's like, "It's the biggest waste of time there is, because you got to recruit out of the portal." Right. Like you go after the top 15, top 20 high school Americans, you don't get them. Then you just get to the portal. You get to take somebody else's kid anyway. Um, but one of the things you find in recruiting, I think, when you really recruit a kid is those type of players, like what Duke had, where you're down five, you're in the main court game, everybody's watching. And how do you react? And those kids were awesome. I mean, Roach is three. I don't think he hit one the whole rest of the day. That was those took some big balls, and people can say whatever they want about Duke. You like Duke, you hate Duke, you like Kate. Like I'm just watching the players, and I was really impressed because Michigan State was kind of out for blood, and they were playing good basketball. Now Joey Hauser, a couple of defensive breakdowns, he tried to score over Paolo, and that didn't work out. And you see the difference in the level of athleticism of Joey Hauser and Paolo Boncaro. But I was really impressed by Duke taking taking all the punches from Michigan State and then counter down five counter punching and kind of boat racing Michigan State and just that was when the lights go on because you can go either way that thing could have gone to twenty and Michigan State could have won and Mike Shashevsky could have shaken hands and gone in Michigan State's locker room and cried on the podium and it would have been the career but it didn't go that way and I think those kids are a big reason why. I agree. Uh, are you in or are you out on the officiating? It seems to be a big, you know, a big deal here with people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty reasonable. And I think generally it's been better all year. And when you have 68 games, you hope you don't have a couple. But, boy, they were bad in the Baylor game. And uh, the missed call at the end of the Arizona TCU game, that feels like a, like, it feels like mm. a tournament changer, you know? And, and I, again, this is, this yeah. is, I have a personal background in this 2000, we played Florida in the elite eight. If you go back first round, our ex teammate, Scott Robish takes a charge on Florida, not called. He was a little bit far back, whatever he's falling back. Florida wins. Mike, I think Mike Miller scored at the buzzer, right at the bucket round one, round one. If that call is different, right? Florida doesn't move on. We probably played Duke. Duke's really young in the in the Elite Eight. We go to the Final Four. Life changes. Um, 
TCU was going to have Mike Miles at the free throw line. And to people who ask, like, what was he doing? He's just dribbling around. Like, okay, look, if you get quick double, and I didn't, I don't like when you, I don't really know why you bring a big guy up only to get a switch, I guess. High ball yeah. string. Like, just, yeah. just let him go. But they weren't switching. They were just trapping. They, were trapping. they weren't switching. So that was dumb. So, so it, it, I, it was a smart play to try and dribble out of the trap. Like, I, I actually, I actually teach that. Like, look, you can pass it out of the trap, but you can also, yeah. if, you, if you think the big guy's slow enough, like, go beat him, get him on your hip and go. Now it's five on three. Uh, but he couldn't get around that corner. That, that's great defense. Then he comes back. I thought he was, I thought it was pretty obvious he was fouled. Like, did he throw his head back? Like, yeah, but he was dislodged. You have to call a foul or, 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 or backward violation. One of the two. You, you don't get away with not doing it. It's not, not the way the profession works. So I thought it was bad. I thought they were out of position. Um, and then I, I thought the, the Butler thing was to, I mean, the Butler, the Baylor thing was a debacle. And, you know, we, we do this with, and I've been anti replay of elbow for the longest time because there's a lot of context that's needed with every elbow, right? One, I mean, just the, is it the first elbow or are we catching up on something else? That's the reality of sport. Or two, in this case, like Brady Manic, he got it high and he may have meant to do it. Okay. Like basketballing, you're going to catch an elbow. But was that offense so sinister? It goes from we're going to eject him from the game, like, oh. and then usually, when a kid gets ejected or a coach gets a technical foul, usually, the officials help that team out. They're like, all right, we got rid of one of your guys. We'll give you a couple calls. It got worse. It got worse. <laughs> now, I will also credit Baylor in that Baylor. You sense that? Hey, they're not. Yeah. Thank calling shit. Like, let's get up and full court deny and just be super physical. Like, I'll coach that. I mean, Louisville, Rick Pitino, or Georgetown and John Thompson, like their basic defensive philosophy was they can't call every foul. So if we all foul on every play, we right. can't call every one, right? And that's basically what Baylor was doing, only they weren't calling any fouls. And then North Carolina, they got a little country club to them. Like, they did not like – I mean, it wasn't Carolina, it was it? It was uh, uh, who beat Baylor? Yeah, West Carolina. Yeah, North was Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, they, yeah, they did not yeah. like that. Now I don't know what they kept running the same press break, and then they and they got super tight. But I do think that the officiating was atrocious there. Like, look, at some point, a guy's get trying to get open. Like, you you got to call a foul. You just you got to you got to call you got to call the first one because otherwise, then it gets really ugly. So, do I think the officiating is just some abject disaster? No, a lot of good basketball, a lot of good officiating. I think we put them in a bad we, – we give them a, a no-win situation with the block charge rules. Like, you got kids just taking dives left and right. Like, we just – that's not the official's fault. It's maybe one official's fault. The kicking at the legs is hard to see in real time. really is. Um, but there are some basic things that you have to know, and there's some basic ways in which you have to handle it, which I think in some of the big games was missing. And, and it was bad. It was bad, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not somebody who thinks the officiating is roundly just all of it is bad, but there's some bad ones. And there's my my brother is one of these. He thinks that there should be a sixth foul. He's like, look, I think there should be a sixth foul, especially for the NCAA tournament because we came to see the kids play. And I was like, yeah, but it changes everything with rotations. And 
interesting. Again, it's just the idea that officials sometimes make a, a bad call. And one bad call in college basketball affects you way more so than in the NBA with five fouls. I don't know if I agree with that one. I don't know if I, what I agree with. I don't. I don't know if I agree with moving the ball to half court on a timeout, a six foul, basically going to the NBA. Hey, dude, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you having me on your show the other day. Thanks for coming on all the time. It's why, are Indiana, why are Freaking Indiana great. fans on you? Uh, because I got I – don't, I don't really know. It was kind of odd. Woodson's daughter came at me. Rob, uh, what's his name? Robert uh, – Xavier Johnson – because I thought Notre Dame wasn't tired. I thought Notre Dame came out and balled. Indiana's guys making excuses. We had five games in eight days. And I thought Indiana quit. And, and I just, you know, as a former player, I was there 17 years. I don't. Hey, look, Hugh, Hubert Davis said it right. You put the Carolina uniform on, you step up in big moments. You put the Indiana, in my opinion, now I know I'm outdated, but you put the Indiana uniform on, you're supposed to step up. You may not win, but you got to play. And I thought Indiana flat quit. And I said it, and they got all well, pissed I, off. Well, they Good did. For them. They they, they did quit. Um, and now I will tell you that that what the St. Mary's guys thought was they were like they were out of gas. They said, "I said what happened?" And they yeah. were they were gassed at halftime. They were done. They had nothing in the tank. We've all been there. But, but yeah, yeah. again, it's what you're. What, yeah, I I don't know. I don't believe what that. you're talking about. Is, I don't buy what, that. What, what, I don't no, think no, we've all. I don't think we've all been there. You're talking about, well, five and eight days is a lot. For a college kid, it's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it's not like But also, hold on a second. But you also got guys getting suspended, going out. I mean, you know, don't go out. Don't go out. There's a better. I mean, all the bar owners in India are my friends. So I know stuff. Right. That's that's the smart point is like. Okay, if, if it was five and eight days and you know this is coming up and you guys are all milking cookies and, and, and in bed at 10 o'clock at night and you did everything you possibly could, like, hey, you missed shots. Everybody misses shots, okay? But if you're going to go party like a rock star and then all of a sudden you got nothing in the tank, we don't have a lot of sympathy for you because we have actually been. And everybody, I, I don't. Everybody's been, everybody's right. been in that, anybody's player has been in that hotel room and it rings and now you'll probably get a text or whatever, but that hotel room phone rings at 10 o'clock. Yo, DG, you want to go get into something? Like, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. Or, <laughs> hell yeah, let's go. Let me brush, let me brush my teeth and throw on some deodorant. Let's let's go. Like, that's the that's the decision. I'm gonna tell that's you. Decision, man. I'm you, gonna tell you. You want to win or you don't? I was I was at Indiana. I was at Indiana four years. That never happened. But never, never. Like you gotta be. I, I, again, I have two highest standards. I understand it. I have two highest standards, and Indiana fans, they're happy, you know, because their players seem to be nice guys. They make cute videos, and they quit, and they beat Wyoming. All right. Yeah, that, that's, okay. not, that's not the standard <laughs> of Indiana basketball. Look, look, look behind one of the – I don't think so. Rim, there's five banners. That's, that's the standard. No, I, I get you. I, I, I get you. I wasn't that's how I look at it. I mean – And, I, I, and I'm, a, I'm somebody who – it's like, look, you can miss shots. He can't make somebody make shots. It's an impossible thing. But no. you you can give Missed. me everything you possibly have. And, yeah, they they said we're too tired. And that's – Eddie Sutton had one. I don't know if, if, if Coach Knight used this. Son, you can be tired, but you can't play tired. Right? Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Knight used to do this. We used to bring it out like this. You got a two-hour window. In that two-hour window, you're asked to play 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Every four minutes, you get a two-and-a-half to three-minute timeout. After 20 minutes, you get a freaking 22-minute break. What's so hard about playing a game? And then we used to get further. You still yeah. there? Then we then we used to go further because I, I got a bad uh, my I got a bad headset right now. Then we used to go further. All right, let me see if I understand this. Obviously, the whole AAU thing you play three games oh, yeah. in one day, but that's different because of the pressure. Yes, yeah, that's, that's that's different. Then you're done at ten at night. Maybe you can't sleep. We don't do anything the next day anyway. Then we're asking you to do the same thing. You got a two hour window. Okay, you warm up. You got thir- not used to not used to put it out like, all right, this is what is actual. This is what is fake. What is fake is you saying you can't do this. What is actual is here. It is for you. You're a 20 minute a game player. Fine, and it just like to us it made sense. Like damn, and I didn't play. I you know you're younger than me. I didn't play five A. I never played an AAU game. We didn't have AAU. You know I played baseball in the summer, but. Uh, it made that made sense, and I know it's old school, and I know it's stupid, and I know people don't want to hear it, but I don't know. People, I think I think again. I, fe- I bet you. I bet you feel like, hey, Doug. I bet you feel like if you put on an Oklahoma State uniform and it's a big moment, you got to rise yes. to the moment. Yes, and and, and full, dis- full, full disclosure, I, I don't think we did in a couple big moments, but I don't blame anybody else. But I don't right. blame anybody else for it. And I don't blame fatigue for it. You know, we had, we had, my last game. I turned it over to go to the final four. I turned it over with a minute 18 to go against Virginia to go to the final four, to go play Akeem Olajuwon. Uh, And it wasn't because I was tired. It was because I didn't listen. I spun dribbled when I shouldn't have, you know, and hey, uh, fine. You're not always going to win, but you got to show up. That's my only thing. That's, you know. Right, wrong, happier said. You got to show up. Always. Always. Without fail. I got to run. You're the best. Appreciate you. See you, brother. That's the great Doug Gottlieb. I could talk to Doug Gottlieb every day, all day about hoops because Doug is honest. He's informed. All right. uh, Izzo, when we come back. Hey, welcome back. Thanks to everybody listening on the YouTube chat. Thanks to everybody listening on Twitter. We'll go to Outkick if you're looking for us. Uh, We want to make this the best show ever. We want to make this your go-to in Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday. We're only on four days. We only give you this kind of greatness for four days, so we thank you for paying attention. We're waiting on Coach Izzo. My guess is, being as old as we are, you screw it up. You know what I mean? You just kind of screw it up. You screw up the damn Zoom call. You screw up everything. I want to go through some games real quick and give you some lines and see what you guys think. Number one, Arkansas-Gonzaga. Gonzaga's minus 9.5. I'm going to give you a word of caution here, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. Be very, very careful betting against Gonzaga. I'll tell you why. They showed against Memphis a gear. Like against Memphis, they showed a, man, let's go. They were down 12 in the second half. That 12 became 4. Now, that four didn't immediately become six. Uh, I'm sorry, didn't immediately go from four down to four up. No, no, no. Memphis was balling. Arkansas is the same thing. 
Arkansas will do absolutely the same thing. Arkansas is not a slow team. Arkansas is an up-and-down team. Arkansas press you. They'll get you in some certain traps. They'll get in, in trouble. But be very careful. I've had a lot of people tell me they like Arkansas getting nine and a half. Be careful with that, man. And don't bet the 155 until you watch the game. Because Eric Musselman is a smart dude. And Eric Musselman is going to, he will, I promise you, figure out the best way to beat Gonzaga. And that may include slowing this down in half-court offense. I'm not saying they're going to do it. But in the NBA, you have so many different ways to play because there's so many different teams and you play night after night and you got to adjust that I'm not going to be surprised even a little bit if Musselman does something like that. I'm not. So don't touch that game until you watch that game. Probably a good game to live bet. But I'm not touching the nine and a half on that one. That's just, that's silly talk. Uh, Michigan and Villanova. I'm taking Villanova, and I'll give Michigan the five. I am. I think Michigan's good. I like the way their point guards have been playing. Devontae Jones came back from a concussion. He's playing well. Houston is an athletic wing. Dickinson is a very good post kid, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. But, man, any of you watched Villanova? Has anybody watched Villanova? Has anybody said, hey, look, I'm going to watch Villanova? I'll raise my hand. I'm going to watch Villanova. I have watched Villanova. And to me, Villanova is the best coach team in this entire field, and they have been from the start. Why? I'm going to give you something that nobody on television other than Doug Gottlieb could possibly give you. Why is Villanova the best coach team? Two reasons. One, they are totally, totally committed to their coach. You look at a Villanova huddle, and in this, it's this. Coach. Okay. That's what Villanova is. The other places are like, no, that's number one. Number two, they don't make mistakes. Victory favors the team making the fewest mistakes. Big sign. Put it in your lot. Put it in your house. <laughs> put it in, like, do whatever you got to do. But victory favors a team making the fewest mistakes. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're going to win 100% of the time. It does not mean that. It means it favors you if you make less mistakes. And guess who don't make mistakes? You want me to tell you? I'll tell you. Villanova. Villanova does not make mistakes. They hang on to the ball. 1,001, 1,002. Biggest thing you can do in coaching is teach your team to hold on to the ball, unless, of course, you got a quick reversal for a shot, a quick drive, or a jumper. One of those three, beautiful. If you don't have one of those three, hold the ball, take a look, see what you got, and let's go. Period. Period. That's it. I'll take Villanova. I'll give you the five. My toes are going to be tapping. Texas Tech and Duke. Texas Tech and Duke. Texas Tech is actually, according to what I saw this morning, a one-point favorite over Duke. Two schools of thought. 
Thought number one, and by the way, don't be afraid to tweet it out from the OutKick app. Thought number one, do yourself a favor. Always take K in the points in the NCAA tournament. And number two, don't be afraid of over 137. I know Texas Tech plays defense. I know they don't have a great offense, but Duke's going to get 75. They are. Duke's going to get 75. And if Texas Tech wants to play in this game, it ain't going to be in the 50s. It is not going to be 52-51. It ain't going to happen that way, period. It ain't. Get it out of your mind. It ain't going that route. You're going to have to score points in this game. And if you are Duke, or if you are a Duke hater, or if you are a Duke fan, Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach of Duke, getting points, that's good business. That's good business. They can shoot it. They can drive it. They got strong guys. They can go get Banchero in the middle of the floor. He can spin. He can go. He can shoot. He can do whatever. They're going to score 70 in this game, period. You're not beating them in the 50s. It ain't happening. I'm sorry, but it ain't happening. Arizona's a a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Houston, all right? Two schools of thought here. Number one, Houston has played teams, Illinois, like them. Quick guard, strong big guy, maybe too much, not a real skilled big guy, not a crazy athletic Illinois team. Quick, somewhat quick, shooters, pretty good matchup for Houston when you really look at it. But the truth of the matter is, Illinois is not Arizona athletically. Here's the other school of thought. You remember last year in the Final Four when finally, when finally Houston had to play somebody that wasn't a tough, scrappy team? They got their ass beat. They got kicked. I think Houston gets kicked in this game. I do. I think Houston gets kicked. I think Houston, excuse me, I think Arizona covers this game. I think Arizona puts uh, Houston on their back, puts them on skates. Whatever the cool kid, uh, cool kids say, that's what I think Houston does. We're waiting on Co- Coach Izzo. I don't know. He's busy, and we ain't mad about it. If we get him, uh, if we get him today, there you go. A uh, couple of things. That's Thursday's games. Tomorrow I'm going to give you both games, but that's Thursday's games. And, whoa, 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 whoa! Friday, Friday. Do yourself a favor. Do it right now. Take Purdue minus 12 against St. Peter's. The only way this bad boy doesn't cover, only way, is if St. Peter's somehow, someway, hits three threes at the end of the game with their scrubs. I like St. Peter's. I agree with Doug. They're very well coached. I think Shaheen Holloway is a tremendous coach. Hollowell is a tremendous coach. I think that he will be the head coach at Seton Hall, but they got no chance against the bigs of Purdue. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. And 12 ain't enough. In fact, I'm going to look up the first half and see what it is, and I'll give you it by the end of the show. I'm just telling you. So, don't at me. Breaking news. You ready for breaking news? This is breaking news. My wife has banned me from responding to idiots on Twitter. It's been on a week now. It's a week ago today. I got in this deal where, you know what happens with me on Twitter? And does this happen with you? 
What happens with me on Twitter is somebody says something, you come back at them, and they change the narrative and become a victim. Happened to me last week. My wife's like, it ain't worth it. People are nuts. So those of you that I know you're out there, I see you. Those of you that tweet me and say, Tanner Hill says, no way Duke gets 75. Okay. All right. 73. They're getting 70. And eight, and my toes are going to be tapping. Uh, here's the deal. I'm not responding to any of you. So hate away on me, but you ain't getting my attention. You know what they say in church? Don't give them your energy. You're not getting my energy. I ain't letting you have my energy. No energy. John Gordon, who I'm trying to get on the show, wrote the energy bus. Are you an energy taker or are you an energy giver? You people, like I just got a tweet here. Citizens Free Press fan. You're the best coach in the history of West Virginia University. That's a reference to me being at West Virginia for eight days. That was in 2002. Yeah, it was. 20 years ago, they're still mad. See, those of you that are just learning who this is, Dockage, I'm like a roach. I stick to you. You can't get rid of me in your mind. Women, oh, from the past, oh. Uh, players calling all the time. I love it. Had a long talk with one of my former players, Johnny Reimold. He called me, coach, I now understand. Oh, friends from back in the day, still coming in town. I mean, I am one of those guys that it's like a West Virginia fans 20 years later are still whining. That's a compliment, right? I, they're sad. Their team stinks. Uh, hasn't been any good. You know, all that stuff. Haven't won a conference tournament. A conference. It, West Virginia has not won a conference, but they're mad, so I get it. Indiana fans are mad. Not real fans, but they're mad. I'm like a cockroach. Seriously. Hey, Dan, that was a compliment, Jennifer. It was not a compliment. I've dealt with these people. You, as the commissioner of all my tweets, should know better. All right, will Dan talk about the women tournament and everyone will get annoyed because they don't care about women's sports? I got to tell you, I do. I am the foremost advocate of women's sports in this country that is a male. That isn't participating. I talk about it literally every day with my wife. My stepdaughter is playing softball at Harvard. That's what we discuss. And I loved watching IU, even though they didn't cover the other day, against Princeton. Six-point favorite. You're playing at home. You're the 11 seed against, or the three seed against the 11. You don't cover, but yet I still enjoyed it. I did. Enjoyed the living hell out of it. And now they play UConn at 2 o'clock on Saturday, and I got to tell you, uh, right over here is my couch. And right over there is my television. My fat ass will be on the couch watching NCAA games of both the men and women's tournament. Do not at me. Perfect opportunity this year for the Hoosier women to beat the iconic greatest program in all of basketball, men's and women's, UConn Husky women. That's it. Apparently, uh, Izzo may be, I don't know, he may be uh, tied up. But anyway, don't at me with that, people. 
<clears throat> I will talk women's hoops. In fact, I need to get a women's coach on here. I think I'll get Austin Parkinson on, the head coach of IUPUI's women. He's maybe the best coach in the state of Indiana. That should drive Indiana people nuts. But anyway, my wife has banned me from responding to any of you. So feel free to rip me all you'd like. You ain't getting my joy, baby. And it's been a week. It's been a week and I ain't mad about it. Period. That's right. It's been a week. You all aren't getting me. Everybody's a damn victim. Let's go through this. Right? When you look at the landscape of sports, who is the next person to apologize? Right? You got to have an apology somewhere. Come on, people. Who's Who's with me? Let's go. All right? I'll give you the next person to apologize. Because we must apologize. Of any slight, we must apologize. I will apologize to all you because Tom Izzo isn't on. I must apologize. The third story down on ESPN.com. One, world number one, Ashley Barty retires from tennis at 25. You're going to see a lot more of that because we're so, we get so hurt now. Two, these are the important stories of the day on ESPN.com, right there on the main page. Two, Zion Post dunks video, dunk video among ongoing foot rehab. Oh my God. A guy who's never done jack squat in the NBA posted a dunk video? Holy cow. Oh, my God. Did he really, ESPN? He really posted a dunk video? Oh, my God. He's six foot six. He can jump to the moon, and he posted a dunk video. But here's the good one. We got to do this. You know we got to. Orlando Pride apologized for not allowing display of gay banner. Orlando Pride apologized after a supporters group was told it could not display a banner that said gay at a match this weekend. The Black Swans banner was in reference to Florida's recent legislation dubbed by critics Don't Say Gay. The supporters went on Twitter claiming the sign was deemed political and removed. So what? If you're not having... Uh, political signs at your arena, then why are you apologizing? Of course, of course, the Orlando Pride, uh, everybody's got to apologize, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And these folks are the folks, and I don't know why the Orlando Pride said we're not going to be political. Listen to this. They've championed the rights, LGBTQ plus rights, And there are 49 rainbow-colored seats in their home stadium to honor those killed in the Pulse nightclub shooting of 2016. I don't understand, then, why you're not having political signs. I, I don't get it. Like, if you're going to be political, then be political. If you're not going to be political, then don't be political. You're obvious, and that's fine. I got no problem Like, people act like because you're bringing this up that you have. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's great, uh, particularly the honoring people that lost their lives. Just what what is so hard about saying this is what we're doing and then do it? We want to make 
the Orlando Pride political. Then be political. We don't want to make the Orlando Pride political. Then don't be political. I mean, or, what the hell is really so wrong? Can I just ask a simple question of all of you? What is so wrong with bringing a sign to a game? Like, I get it. If I'm holding this thing up and it says, you know, Jimmy Joe's a jackass, and okay, I get it. But gay, what, what's so wrong with bringing that to a game that it has to be deemed something, kicked out, and then apologized for? Like, I, when we were kids and we'd go to Wrigley Field, man, we spent the night before making signs. Look, I don't want some kid holding a sign up when you've paid $500 for seats behind you or 100 bucks or 10 bucks. I get that. But what's so wrong about bringing a sign to a game? But if it is in violation of what you have deemed so wrong, then don't apologize. Whenever you make these hard and fast rules, you end up apologizing. Same thing in coaching. It is the same thing in coaching. When you say, if you do this, then this will happen. And then your best player does this, and now you got to do that. And you're like, oh, man, this really wasn't that big a deal, but now i got to suspend him because I made this hard, fast rule. Every day, somebody is apologizing. We'll talk. I think we should have a segment, if I can find one, every day. Today in apologizing. Look, just be people. Can we just be people? Bring a sign, great. Support the team, great. Be political, great. Don't let them be political, great. Don't let them be political. Great. Whoever them are. Hey, big fat bald guys, I'm with you. I stand with you. Whatever. But just don't all of a sudden be, just stop. Hey, Dan, Bill Martin says, hey, Dan, as long as they don't hold it in front of me, who cares whether they bring it? See, I think this, I'm going to use this, and, and Bill, hopefully you guys will understand this, Okay. When I used to watch the College World Series, the Baseball College World Series, all right, they used to have in Rosenblatt Stadium the old-fashioned signs on the outfield walls, and I thought it looked really cool. And I watched it because I thought it was really cool. It had a great look to it. Then, of course, because of money, they built a new Rosenblatt Stadium. And then because of money, you know, you had to have certain sponsors for NCAA So they took all that out, and it looked like older guys remember this. Remember Riverfront Stadium? Remember Three Rivers? There was three of them, Uh, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. They were all circular. They all looked the same. They all were drab. Well, that's what this looks like to me. So I don't even watch College World Series anymore. I like signs. That's one of the reasons we all like College Game Day. We like signs. Like, we should not live in an antiseptic society where, oh, wait a second. I have something on my shirt. No, wait, here. Oh, can't show Ray-Ban. Hey, any of you businesses out there, I would want behind me, don't at me, sponsored by Eddie's Condoms. Don't at me, sponsored by Zog's Sex Wax. I don't care. I want one here, one here, one over here, one down here, one up here, one over here. Put them all on. I like signs. 
Sign, sign, everywhere a sign. It's a great song when the 70s was rolling. Maybe that was in the 60s. Jeez. It's crazy, you people. Oh, don't bring a sign. Oh. Izzy had team meetings. He thought he'd be free today. Uh, He is not free today. But that's all right. We'll get it. We'll try to get Izzy tomorrow. We'll get, we'll get it going. We'll figure it out. And away we'll go. I hope everybody has a great afternoon. We don't. Tom Miller said, this guy stanks. I do. I stink. I'm awful. I'm horrible. I'm the worst. Don't pay attention to me. But I am going to win you some money. We won some last night, baby. We took Xavier. Yeah, we did. All right. Everybody, have a great afternoon. You can catch more of this act at 107.5 in Indianapolis coming up noon to 3. We're going to talk some Matt Ryan. We're going to talk some NCAA. We're going to have uh, – actually, we're going to talk some Purdue. We're going to have Rafael Davis on. Louis Stefanovic, the dad of Sasha Stefanovic, is going to join us. So there you go. The Bonnies got it done last night. Congratulations to the Bonnies. The Bonnies went into Virginia. Paul Page Arena or Paul Jones Arena, whoever the hell Paul is. And whooped their ass. They didn't whoop their ass. They won it at the end. Congratulations to the Bonnies. I think the NIT's been good. Try to be nice to somebody. They try not to be a jackass on Twitter. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, don't at me. We'll see you. Ryan, Dylan, thanks for everything. Last, last thing before we go. Last thing. Um, if you have a chance, just throwing this out. A lot of you have done this. But if you have a chance and you're looking to help kids. I have a charity. We give bikes to kids. Every dime goes to the kids. It's in conjunction with the best organization in Indianapolis, the Indiana Sports Corp. It's called Dockage Cycles for the City. We get bicycles and we give kids bikes. If you would like to donate, go to indianasportscorp.org. Across the tab is Inspiring Use press on it. It drops. There we are. Dockage cycles for the city. Our goal last year, we gave away 350 bikes. Our goal this year is to give away 500 bikes. I think, excuse me, much to the dismay of the Indy Star, who was fighting us on this for whatever the reasons, because the columnist thinks that we're bad people because we advertise our charity work. Uh, we are, I think, have a $15,000 donation. A, a bike costs about $200 to $250. We bike, lock, helmet, all brand new. We don't take donations of bikes. We take donations of cash. If you're looking for something, you need a tax break, we're your people, man. Dockage Cycles for the City. IndianaSportsCorp.org. Across the top, there's a tab, Inspire Youth. Press on it. It drops. Boop. There it is. Dockage Cycles for the the city. Thank you, Jennifer. It is a great, great cause. Uh, Join me. 107.5 The Fan in Indy. Have a wonderful afternoon. We'll be right back here tomorrow. Tomorrow we got games. Hopefully we'll have Izzy join us tomorrow. Have a great day.